What up, y'all? I'm Josh Udall, and on this episode, we have Jamie Gerard with us. We'll be having fun talking how marketers can bring user experience into their craft. What up, everybody? It's great to have you all on the podcast today. Today, we are interviewing Jamie Gerard, who has had quite the career and user experience, and he has gone and done a bunch of things in the field. So we're so happy to have him on this morning. So Jamie, welcome. Thank you for the warm introduction and the high energy level. <laughs> no problem. No problem. So tell us about yourself. What is your background? Why should we listen to you today? Um, great question. So, um, as Josh mentioned, my name is Jamie Gerard. Um, I've been in and around technology and digital for the better part of 15 years. Um, a biggest part of my career, um, was spent, uh, working in an agency. Um, there I got to sort of wear multiple hats right from design to development, um, through to leadership. And my last sort of stint there was, uh, the director of user experience. So, I mean, you know, it was a great opportunity there. And then I took my sort of skills and I jumped over to software. Um, which was equally as rewarding. And most recently, um, I've actually taken a primarily non-digital role. So I'm a principal for a consulting firm um, in experience design. So it's been quite the uh, journey with lots of great opportunities had along the way. That sounds like a lot of fun. What's been like kind of like as you've taken this new journey and as you've taken this new turn, what's been like the craziest thing that's happened so far? I mean, a lot of the fundamentals are the same. So regardless of what you're... Um, you know, primary hustle is, it's really the same. So it's good process, uh, which has been um, sort of the key to being able to navigate, you know, from uh, the agency world to software to more recently to consulting. Um, a funny joke, when I was first thinking of making the jump from the agency to the software space, I talked to one of my recruiter friends and he was like, well, you know, Jamie, it's, it's probably going to be pretty hard to transition from an agency to software. Uh, he goes, you know, not a lot of people tend to have success with that. And I was like, challenge accepted. And, you know, we ended up doing some great work over there. Um, sort of learning the ins and outs of working with people, I, I would say, has been the biggest, um, you know, pleasant surprise uh, in, in all that space. So different personalities, but really with a lot of the same goals towards the end. All right on. And that's the thing. That's a part of being an user experience designer is you're designing for people and it's in the it's in the name user. Uh, so again, I can imagine a lot of different situations and experiences um, of dealing with people and, you know, the challenges that came with that, but as well as victories, I'm sure as well. Internally and externally. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's <laughs> a good point. So as you know, like this is a podcast where we talk about user experience in marketing. So the first question I'll ask is, you know, does UX have a place in marketing, do you feel? Uh, I mean, the short answer is yes, they go hand in hand. Um and the real, um, I guess, thought could be that, you know, these things shouldn't be looked at as separate entities. Um, they are one and the same. But, you know, there's probably some people, well, why? So a big part of what's going on currently in our current climate is people are still trying to understand the value and how the things sort of work together. Um, so, you know, if we start by defining what user experience is and what marketing is in the context of a digital product, 
um, we can sort of sum it up by saying, you know, marketing creates value for the business and you're selling to a customer, right? Um, user experience is you're creating value for the customer, but you're also serving the customer needs. So if you sort of think about those two things um, separately, you can sort of see a lot of similars, uh, similarities and overlap with that. Um, and both of them achieve these goals through understanding hu human behavior. That's really the key um, thing in all of this, regardless if you're outward facing or you're inward facing, um, depending on your role, um, you really want to strike an emotional chord uh, or address a need, want, and desire with whatever product it is that you're um, that you're selling or marketing. Um, one thing I will note is I'll end up using um, customer and user interchangeably. They're not necessarily the same thing in the context of when we're talking about a product. So your customer of a product may not necessarily end up being the user, but just for the illustrator purposes when we're talking, I'll sort of probably jump in between the two. Awesome. Well, that's actually, I want to I want to touch on that a little bit. So difference between a customer and a user, really, what is the difference between those two? I mean, it depends on your organization, right? So a customer could be, you know, if you're looking at um, demographic information from a marketing standpoint, it could be the makeup of, you know, the region they live, age, gender, whatever those things are um, that you're that you're defining for that. Um, where your user could be, you know, a person that's actually using your actual application. So regardless of who you're targeting, that may not necessarily be the same user base. Uh, again, depending on the organization that's, you know, either supporting or buying or using or recommending your um, your product, that may actually be used to with a different group of people within their organization. Um, but an interesting thing that's probably worth noting is, you know, from a clarification standpoint, um, in a lot of conversations I have, people tend to think of UX as usability, mm. right? So usability is a component of UX. If you're thinking UX, think of it more like an umbrella. Um, UX looks at the bigger picture, while usability looks at... Um, you know, is the product easy to use? Um, is it pleasant to use? Versus UX is, is it obvious what this person needs to do when they get to this page? Um, or is it is the piece of content satisfying for them? So you end up sort of um, needing to clarify maybe or even um, share a bit more context as to what user experience means because it can mean different things to different people depending on their experience and their understanding. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I know it's something that you and I have definitely talked about offline quite a bit, uh, but it's so funny. What I've realized is when you talk user experience, it's amazing how people immediately think about tech um, and they don't realize that user experience really is that umbrella. It, it really does touch everything. So like when someone does come up, she's like, oh, I don't I don't need any you know websites or anything like that. What is your response to them when they say that? I mean, I always look at it as a point to, um, it's, an, it's a learning opportunity, right? Or a point to educate or maybe share some insights. Um, it really wouldn't be, again, depending on who your audience is, um, user experience can mean different things to different people. So if you're looking at like a holistic um, view on any interaction a customer or a user has with a product or brand, that experience can be different and digital can actually be a touch point along that user's journey, right? So if you're thinking in terms of, um, you know, service design, for example, only because it's top of mind right now, um, you're looking at every touch point and engagement um, that a client or a user could potentially have with your products, whether that's online, maybe it's through a chat box, it's through a targeted landing page, it's through a mobile app, or it's offline in-person customer service, maybe it's a telephone call. Um, there's a lot of different things that sort of go into play to a user's experience, right down to, you know, what that experience looks like when they walk into your office or space. How are they greeted, right? I mean, you can bleed more into customer experience in that case, but in the end, what I found is a lot of the fundamental principles, regardless of what you call it, are all very similar. 
Right. That's a good point. And one thing I really uh, thought was really drove me nuts. Cause I'm, I remember I went, I worked at uh, Sears Canada uh, going through school. And I remember that was the one thing that drove me nuts was just seeing how the company was run. Uh, even how it dealt with its customers, it was terrible as shown because they're going out of business little by little stores are closing left right and center um but that was the one thing that really drove me nuts because they're showing they showed me how they treated their customers they what they would do is the only way they would the way they thought it was good to treat their customers was to give them their money back that's all i cared about it's like oh they're done happy just give them their money back i'm like but you can't do that you got to fix the issue that they're having uh not just hey just just take it all you know steal the whole store why not we'll give it all away you know and seeing how upper management even how people who were regional managers would come in i'm like it was such a broken system they just stopped caring about the customer experience stopped caring about the user experience in their stores and it really ended up showing so it's a good point there you know it it's it's hard because um it's something you know i've been fortunate enough in my career um to work with companies and brands of all sizes so you know, a small shop that has a few people um, right through to Fortune 500 companies. So understanding the complexity and the decisions that sort of have to be made at all levels, you know, can be challenging, especially when you're like, oh, if you just fix that one thing right there, that'll improve everyone's quality of, you know, life and experience with the brand. But when you sort of start to peel away the layers and you look at how maybe some of these organizations don't have an opportunity to talk to one another, we're like, well, you're all in the same company. Why can't this department just talk to this department? Um, they're in my experience tends to be a lot of you know uh, reasons that may seem obvious but are actually more complex behind the scenes because of other dependencies and other things that go into it so i mean i definitely share um <laughs> your pain when it comes to sort of looking at that especially when i've had what i would consider to be maybe a poor um, customer experience with a company or a brand so here's a good question i have for you is should marketers pay closer attention to focusing and pulling in ux into their craft so absolutely. I mean, another way we can sort of maybe look at this or frame it is, can marketers afford not to, right? I mean, we're at, um, we're at a point where, um, again, being mindful, there are a lot of factors that play into what's possible. Um, if I'm putting on my marketing hat and I'm listening to this podcast, I may be mindful of my team size, um, budget, but most importantly, um, whether or not I have organizational buy-in to even start thinking about these things um, because we're still very much in a position where these things are thought of as separate departments, and I'm using air quotes. Um, so it may just take time to educate and win over minds over time. But the real big thing is I think um, that's okay. Um, but we are at a point, as I was sort of saying, where the reality is um, good user experience is no longer optional. Like it's a must. Um, you can have the best targeted um, campaign only to disappoint your potential customer with a poor experience with your product, right? Um, or more importantly, if the um, experience that you're providing doesn't satisfy what the customer's expectations are, you know, they'll simply move on to the next product, the next brand. And believe me, there are a lot of um, products and brands doing very similar things. You know, the ones that tend to stand out to me are ones that have great product or user experiences with their products. Um, and really, uh, an interesting um, sort of point I'll make is, you know, good marketing and good user experience can tend to go unnoticed, right? You don't necessarily hear the praise all the time about all the great things that's, that's happening. 
Um, but you tend to hear more about the bad experiences someone has. So whether that's, ah, oh, that checkout process was super cumbersome or, you know, this content's really hard to find or, you know, maybe even this is still a thing that comes up. Maybe content's not mobile friendly in 2017, right? Um, but these are actual real considerations that sort of, you know, need to be thought of when you're um, not only doing whatever marketing campaign or whatever thing you're actually going to be in a position to promote and push, um, that experience now is mission critical. It's not optional anymore. Um, so a key takeaway I would say for um, marketers listening to this um, would be, you know, good UX helps solve things um, that I mentioned above, but also more importantly, it can create customer loyalty as well. So here's actually a, a interesting question I kind of want to uh, bridge off of that is so we have this day and age where you know it really is important to consider the customer consider the user in the process of as you market to them but i know that there's a lot of you know especially the bigger companies they're still stuck in this idea that if, as long as they can get their customer to click on their banner ad they'll be good to go and as long as they have the clicks and the numbers to represent it so what is like what is your thoughts on banner ads in this day and age and are they useful and is there a point to them i mean that's i mean it's a there's a lot of, lot of, uh, a lot to digest there. Um, targeting advertising, uh, not necessarily um, something I've invested a lot of time personally in, but as a user, um, you know, people grow blind spots, especially in search results. This is why you have um, search engines like Google that are now more seamlessly integrating ads to look more like search results. Um, I would say it starts with the metrics. Like, are they vanity metrics? Oh, we got 400 clicks. Like, what does that mean? Like, what do they do after they click that banner ad? Are you driving traffic to a targeted landing page that speaks specifically to whatever messages that you were trying to get across to that banner? Okay, great. So that's step one. What happens after that? Like, what is your, what is your metric? Or what, is, what are you hoping to achieve? Do you want them to buy a product? Do you want them to sign up for your newsletter? Do you want to educate them more so in the future they'll buy? Um, I think that user experience piece goes hand in hand because again we're not at the point where you know you can have a brilliant marketing campaign and drive traffic to uh, you know a landing page and then the experience falls short because a person can't fill out your you know email opt-in form so i mean i would say to answer your question um even it's probably still very important and it's going to depend by organization and sort of what space they're in but it's worth spending a bit more time maybe thinking through those things in its totality from whenever that banner ad's clicked right through to what that end conversion is. Gotcha. It's a, it's helpful to know. And again, it's, I know it's a, it's been a hot topic of debate, especially I mean, amongst a lot of user experience designers I've been talking to, but as well as different marketers, um, you know, the whole idea of an ad banner, as you said, people grow blind spots and it's really interesting how people, again, it's just, if it's a big image that's as long and narrow or it's a big square, it's just like, it's amazing how, if it has nothing to do with the content you're con currently consuming, they really could care less about it. But if you're able to kind of, again, it comes back down to the targeting, as you said, I think it's a good target market in terms of it's an ad that's targeted at the cons consumption of the content they're looking at. It's got to be relevant. Yeah, yeah it, absolutely. It, it's going to work. Yeah. It's just all about actually doing the homework and, and going forward with that. So it's a good point there. So here's a big question. What can user, user experience designers bring to the table in the marketing game? So interesting. So I would position it initially that um, everyone's a marketer. Regardless of what role you play within an organization, 
whether you're sort of getting buy-in, winning over minds internally with your peers, or if you're more consumer-facing, working with the external teams and the internal teams, we all have a role to play in, in marketing. Because um, at, at the end of the day, we're all working towards the same goal, right? Um, delighting a, a, a customer with a product, whether that's through a marketing or communication channel or through the actual experience of whatever product is they're using. And really, um, UX is just good marketing. That's really what it is at the end of the day, right? You know, it's about knowing um, who your market is, um, knowing what's important to them, um, knowing why it's important to them, and then designing accordingly, right? Um, the big um, thing I see and hear a lot is, you know, some folks will go through the exercise of, you know, coming up with a campaign. Uh, more importantly, if the team's internal and there's a UX team involved behind it, they'll go through and try to make the absolute best experience they can for that. Um, the reality is there could be multiple right answers, right? I mean, there's not really one right answer. So it's sort of putting your your best foot forward, hopefully based on some data that you have access to, um, but also with some sort of subject matter expertise in the area and um, actually just testing, right? So um, experimenting with what works and what doesn't work. Um, you may not have as much success the first iteration of whatever it is you're doing, but as long as you're learning and growing on that, it's going to make that campaign or that product that much better. Um, one thing I often say, and I I've used to say this a lot uh, when I worked in the agency space, um, was less jackson, more action, um, which really means don't talk about what you can do, start showing it. And for those, I'm going to date myself a little bit here. Um, so action jackson uh, is a late uh, 80s movie action star, right? So he's your typical tough guy that would... Um, you know, be in these very difficult situations, would talk a little bit of smack, but would always deliver and follow through on doing the thing that he said he would do. And in some cases, he wouldn't talk, he would just do it. So, I mean, I, I would always, I always keep that in mind because we tend to be in a position, um, especially from a UX standpoint, where we're still having to defend and justify why we need to do things or why we need budget or why we need to approach something different outside of the model that, well, this has always worked for us. Um, so with that, I tend to just let actions speak sort of louder than words. Um, and a big challenge is, you know, you're gonna have people on both sides like, oh, well, I can't do this because my organization won't support it. I mean, you know, if you're not in a position to execute change yourself, um, just work on winning minds over first. And that could be through a, a slower process of just educating and trying little tiny, um, small little experiments with your, you know, with your content or with your app or whatever that actually looks like. Um, but a lot of that can be done through self-education, right? Um, there are a lot of great resources online uh, that can help enable you to sell UX if you have to to your organization. Um, Baymart Institute's a great one, for example, especially if you're working in e-commerce or usability best practices. Um, that tends to be a big piece when I'm having conversations with folks that they just don't know. Well, I know why it's valuable. I know why it's important, but I can't necessarily articulate those thoughts you know, to my team or to the other departments. It needs to be more about, um, you know, looking for small ways that you can weave in opportunity to improve the user experience. That could be doing some in-house experimentation, um, but keep it focused more on evidence and not opinion. That's a big, uh, a big challenge that um, I, I, I see across the board. Um, you end up having a lot of um, folks in some areas that have really great subject matter expertise, but at the end of the day, you're going to have an opinion on something. And if you're not in a position where you can sort of argue or defend your point, you may end up not winning, winning over those minds at that time. So the more education and the more opportunities you can do yourself to help push that um, helps you in the long run.
So I really appreciate you sharing that. And I think the one thing I really want to, I want to touch on it with that is you, you talked about, you know, iterating and really, you know, if the, something doesn't work, try it again. You know, what is your advice to someone who, you know, who really put a lot of thought into their marketing campaign or whatever project they're working on uh, and it just flops like and like, you know, you know, the feeling of you, you put so much hard work and creativity, creative um, energy into it and it just landed flat on its face. What's your advice to someone in that situation? So I would start by asking why. Why did it flop? What were the factors that played into why this wasn't successful? Um, was it time of day? Was it the wrong target market? Um, was there not enough good follow through? Again, you got a great campaign. You're sending a, a potential uh, customer to a subpar experience and it falls short after that. You can sort of start to piece together where some of the things have gone wrong along the way. Um, the bigger, more important, I guess, point I would like to maybe share is um, it's okay not to be right all the time or get everything right out of the gate. Um, I'm experiencing this now in the new space I'm in. So the world of consulting, um, I'm working, I've got the, the pleasure of working with some very um, smart and well-positioned um, folks in the space that I'm working in. So it's very new for me. Um, but because they're sort of, I would say, masters of their domain and the space we work in, um, you know, in a lot of cases, they may have a pre-prescribed solution or an answer where from my background or experience, I know there could be three or four potential answers. We're going to pick one and try it and then test and learn from it and then share those learnings back. So that really has to start within the organization. If you're not in a position, so say you're a marketing department and you're on the hook for, you know, so much ad spend on whatever campaign it is that you're doing and you're not able to show a measurable return on your investment, Right, the people that are maybe giving you the budget be like, "What are you doing? You just, there's, what do we have to show for this?" Um, it needs to start through understanding what went wrong, but being in a position to share with your organization that it's okay to experiment with these types of things, and that maybe on smaller um, sort of ad campaigns or marketing initiatives to sort of gain and build some momentum and trust. That's going to be the big thing. You can sort of go all in and have sort of one big campaign, or you can sort of break it up into smaller iterative pieces that you're constantly taking your learnings and you're applying them to the next thing being mindful of too that there may be some factors that don't apply to one another but um, it's being in the position where it's okay to fail sometimes as long as you're learning from something so that tends to be a big fear with folks they don't want to fail they think their job's on the line there's more stress than it actually actually is um, in a lot of cases you can negate some of those thoughts by just having a conversation and educating and helping them understand well this may work we're going to try it here but then we may want to try something different over here slightly the same so Huge key is humility at the end of the day, which is hard for a lot of us. <laughs> it is, especially being, you know, professionals that are, you know, I've been, uh, again, like I said, I've, I've been in, in and around digital for over 15 years. I'm the first person that walks into a room and I ask questions, right? I mean, I don't um, pretend to be in a position where I know everything. I have access to the same information most people do. But more importantly, um, taking the opportunity to actually do things my myself gives me that much more credibility, but also puts me in a position where I can sympathize with others that may not be there yet. I may not have had those opportunities. Maybe it's your first job and you're hired on and you know you want to make a big f sort of first impact, but you don't know how that's going to play out if you don't succeed. So to your point, the humility piece you know, is very important. But again, it, it starts with a culture, a culture of understanding that it's okay to sort of experiment and change and not necessarily mm, succeed every single time. Right. So... In this day and age, in this current climate that we're currently in, 
how do marketers need to change their game to be able to adapt and you know obviously have see huge success in the long run um i mean i would sort of put it back as um you know customer loyalty um isn't something that can be purchased or forced really at the end of the day i mean it happens over time uh, with interactions that are positive ideally engaging and rewarding and the reality is user experience great user experience supports all of this right um, so you can have the snappiest headline great stunning visual awesome call to action but then if it falls short after that you know you're out of sight out of mind on to the next thing sort of like i would say um, before that so it's sort of um again if you're listening to this podcast you're probably taking the first step to at least entertain the idea of well, what does this mean to me and how can I apply it to my day-to-day -day life and work and again the the big takeaways I would say for anyone that's sort of either in a marketing role or even a UX role that needs to support marketing is to just you know educate yourself to gain a better understanding and that's not something as formal as going back to school to take a you know a full-time program it could be watching a couple YouTube videos or following some people that inspire you in social media that have some great thought leadership in the area that you want um, but after that, you need to be in a position where you're working on winning over the minds within your organization. And that, you know, can take um, a, a long time. <laughs> and, you know, I, again, um, all that sort of to say, um, if you're listening and you're sort of thinking about these things now or you're always on the fence about it, um, educating yourself is going to be sort of the biggest thing. And talking to people, if you don't have a UX team, you know, get in on a meetup or get in on a forum online or just learn more about what it actually means. And what I think you'll be pleasantly surprised is there's a lot of similarities between the two. So the two have a perfect marriage. So you talked about, you know, going in and find out who, uh, find people who inspire you and really try to motivate you. So you, Jamie, who inspires you? <laughs> um, a couple of people in a couple for a couple of different reasons. Um, my biggest inspiration um, from a professional standpoint uh, has always been Jason Freed. So initially he was 37 Signals, uh, went on to um, do Basecamp, and that's sort of the primary bread and butter now to the point where they changed the name of their company, 37 Signals, to Basecamp. And it's not so much the things that he would do, it was the thought around, he thought about business and problem solving, which was really interesting to me because it opened up my eyes to think more outside of, you know, what you're traditionally taught in school about business, about marketing, about design, about development. And he put me in a position where I would start to think about those things holistically as one entity, as opposed to the separate little pieces that were sort of add on. Um, so I would say Jason Fried first and foremost, um, Second, I would say, is Seth Godin. Um, so he's a very well-known and famous marketer. Um, he's someone I very much enjoy his readings um, whenever I can, and his audiobooks. They're just really great. Um, we Are All Weird is one of my favorites. I've probably listened to it, you know, eight times. Um, and last but not least, uh, I would say Robert Greene. Um, again, you're probably thinking to yourself, well, these aren't names in UX that I really, um, you know, recognize. And that's sort of the... The point I guess I would make is inspiration can come from anywhere. Um, and a lot of the folks that inspire me um, just have a different way of thinking about business or even how to interact with people. And that in itself has helped me take a more empathetic view when I'm having a conversation with somebody on a subject they may not be familiar with or a subject that I'm not familiar with and I'm curious to learn. Um, and what Robert Greene sort of does for me um, with his audio books, um, which I listen to fairly often, is 
I learned to think about business and interacting with people in a different light. And each time I listen to, whether it's, you know, rework by Jason Freed or it's, um, you know, We Are All Weird or The Lynchpin by Seth Godin or 48 Laws of Power by Robert Greene, I always take something new away each time I listen to those. And that could be uh, factored by, you know, where I'm at at that point in when I'm listening to it. It could be I'm in a different headspace. I've been just introducing something new concepts. So when I'm more receptive to opening, opening up to hearing the same thing but from a different angle, that also, again, helps me be in a position where I can look at a conversation, you know, whether it's from a marketing standpoint or when it's from a user experience standpoint or a design standpoint or a development standpoint. You can sort of look at all those things um, under one umbrella. Fantastic. Well, that it, we've come to come into, uh, you know, the end of our time here, but you know, there's a lot of great points and a lot of, a lot of great things to kind of think about and ruminate on and, uh, and really appreciate coming in and, and sharing your knowledge and sharing your expertise with us, because I'm sure it really helped me to kind of think about how I go about my user experience projects or how I even help the marketing side of things with that, even with our current company, uh, even how to help our clients, uh, to really achieve success in the long run. I just, uh, really appreciate your insight on that. So, we uh, we also have a segment on the show which is uh, it's new because um, I'm saying it's new uh, and I'm just adding it now because I think it's hilarious. Um, but Jamie Gerard doesn't know I'm going to share this, and so I apologize to absolutely nobody. Um, <laughs> Jamie was the, actually the first person who gave me my user experience interview, uh, and it was literally the most fantastic experience. It'd be intimidating to some, but it was. I loved it because it was my, it was totally my element. So I come in to, it was at the time he was working at Verb and he's like, Oh, nice to meet you. I'm like, nice to meet you too. And he's like, he had this big, tall glass of water at the head of the huge boardroom table. It made me feel like a king. So for that point, that was a great user experience. I'm just going to lay that out. But then it got scary because then he comes in with three or four of his people and they all just come sit around the boardroom and they're just like, Hey, nice to meet you. And they're firing off questions you know, left, right, and center. I'm like, whew, I'm just out of school, but let's keep going. And then he, then he pulls out the huge, beautiful dry erase marker. He's like, okay, design for me how someone would check out use, uh, trying to book a train ticket online. And I was like, right now? He's like, yeah, right now. And that was probably definitely a fun experience and definitely terrifying, but he, uh, he was forced me out of my comfort zone right from the get-go. So, And from there, we built a great relationship. And I uh, really appreciate all that you've done for me and appreciate coming on and, and sharing your knowledge with us. Absolutely. It's been my pleasure. <laughs> no problem. Well, thank you again for listening. Appreciate your time. And uh, we will catch you later.